Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Raphael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. And gentlemen, we need to talk about Charles Schultz. It's, it's absolutely imperative because... From what I understand, he is the creator of one of the finest independent operating systems of all time. Linus, who carries around that blanket wherever he goes. Uh, <laughs> I, I understand that that is the the pinnacle of nerding is to install that that Linus on your machine and be able to do with it whatever you want. Is that? Is I was that correct? wondering where you were going with that because Charles Schultz created the Peanuts comic yeah. strip. And I didn't realize that, that you were I talking. Was, thank you, Matthew. I was like, where is he going with this? Same thing. What? Did I get something wrong? Isn't that, isn't that the OS? Are you talking about Linux, Ben? Are you talking oh, about the Linus Torvalds yes. operating yes. system? That's what I had something confused there. I Oh, okay. okay. What's, it, what's it called again? I, I call it Linux. Oh, Linux. Linux. I okay. call it the Penguin. Okay. Now, I <laughs> I've heard some of my European students call it Linux. Yep. Rafti, Rafti, what do you, what's what's it? Linux. Linux. That sounds so cool. That's, that (laughs) sounds like, that sounds like a 1980s villain European voice. Okay. (laughs) No, but yeah, we, I would of course say Linux as well, but if I would guess like, and, and if other German speakers would say, they would say Linux. But yes, you're right. You're right. Linux. I love that. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> it's just a pronunciation right. difference. <laughs> but there is a Linus involved. It, it, there is a Linus right? involved. Linus yeah, yeah. Torvald? Torvald? Yeah. Torvald? I mean, how, how do you say that, Rafti? Torvald. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, we just say Torvald. <laughs> All right. Okay. All is fine. Who, who wants Torvald. to tell us, who wants to share with the show a brief history of Linux, the operating system, not the Peanuts character. I think Joey I'd, like to, I'd like to volunteer Matthew to do this. No, okay. I want Joey to do it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll nerd I insist, I insist, Matt. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. You got the better audio this week. So Linux is an alternative operating system that was created by Linus Torvalds, or Torwold, as Rafti would say, back in the early 1990s. In fact, I remember when this came out. I remember when it became a thing. It is uh, meant to emulate or act like the Unix operating system, which was huge. And it, but it was uh, proprietary. Unix cost tons of money. Um, and so um, Linus decided he wanted a Unix clone, but he also wanted an operating system that could run on x86 hardware, which is the same stuff that um, you know your, your your desktop computer is. You know the old 386s, 8086s. 
because Unix was designed not to run on that type of stuff. It ran, ran on big hardware. That's what I, so, I always think Unix, I think big. I think like Sun Microsystems, yeah. I think, you know, the the, right. the big machines, right? Yeah, 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 because the original Unix was developed to handle uh, the phone system, the, the, okay. the old uh, phone system. That's where it originated from, and that's why it was so big and so complex. Well, Unix has some really good things about it, and so Linus uh, got a few other developers and, and turned it into – this was when the Internet was super, super young – uh, managed to talk to some other people, and they started collaborating. And Linus is credited with creating, uh, developing, writing the code for the Linux kernel, which is the smallest part of the main part of the operating system. And then other developers started adding on other things like, you know, support for uh, screens, support for keyboards, support for networks and modems and uh, things like that. Uh, so that was the early 1990s. Fast forward to today, Linux is still around. It's still an alternative operating system. It's not mainstream as a desktop operating system, but it, you can get it for free. It's available uh, with the new GNU public license and uh, costs nothing to, to, to get. You can download it, put it on a flash drive, install it on your desktop computer to replace whatever operating system it currently has, probably Windows, and um, use it to compute with. Awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. And a, and a couple of things I want, I want to drill down on real quick uh, in what you said. The, the kernel, what, when I think of the kernel, I think of the security implications. The kernel's the part of the OS that combines with the firmware and directly touches the hardware and is the elemental foundation of what the OS does in terms of running the machine, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's the lowest level part of the, uh, um, uh, the code. Yeah, it's, it is root. I mean, you get yep. in there and you own the machine. Um, and then uh, you, you talked about uh, being able to get it for, at, as shareware, it, it, that open license, which is really interesting. Uh, and I think that was one of the huge appeals of Linux early on is that um, he made the source code available, right? He, yeah, he, yeah, completely. Yeah, you could do whatever you want open. with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, open source, and that's what led to it being so highly regarded and, and developed so quickly is that the, all these other developers all of a sudden started writing code that would either uh, augment, uh, enhance, or uh, uh, you know help along uh, Linux to become a, a more popular operating system. Now, I've never, uh, I've never put it into wide use. I've used it for some very limited things. I, I once used an Ubuntu build to absolutely um, uh, destroy some Microsoft machines on purpose. Uh, we, were, we were decommissioning them from the school I was working at, and before we remaindered them, we had to remove the Windows because the license wasn't transferable. And Windows would not delete Windows at that time, yeah. so you had to load to another OS in order to, to rip out Windows. Uh, and. And it seemed pretty easy to me. I mean, I followed a step-by-step -step guide. I wasn't doing anything all that creative. Um, it looked very similar to Windows in terms of the layout on the screen of that particular build. Um, mm -hmm. But I have heard that the the big element of Linux is Linux is free if your time is worth nothing. Yep. <laughs> I've said that many, many times over the years. <laughs> Is, is that accurate? Is a, I mean, is it hard yeah, to yeah. make it work with other browsers, other email clients, other whatever? I mean, is it tough? It's a it's a complex operating system. And because it's so extensible and because it's not locked down with proprietary software for the most part, like uh, like, like your Windows is, um, yeah, if you want to make a change to it, if you want to add something to it, 
you generally have to have a little bit of knowledge of either scripting or programming to be able to get the, 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 the computer to do what you want it to do. And in fact, that was one of the biggest reasons that uh, it's, it's not, it wasn't adopted widely in the 90s and it's still to this day in 2022 is not super widely adopted as a desktop operating system because it's just simply not user friendly. Got it. Got I, I, yeah, sorry. Sorry to cut in there, Ben. I, I have tried several times, like giving it what they call the, 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 the quote unquote college try <laughs> of setting up virtual machines and running either a Kali Linux or Cinnamon or whatever that flavor of Linux is and saying, OK, I'm not going to power up my Windows machine. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to force myself through to work in a productive day within the environment. And by day two, uh, I'm I'm back to my I'm back to Windows. <laughs> All right, so, so because, yeah. Now let me drill down on something you just said. Cali uh, Linux. Yeah. A sanctity in our industry because Cali is the build that ostensibly the hackers use, uh, and therefore the security people use the build of of Cali Linux. Um, to simulate an attack device because it's got a lot of neat tools written for it and it's designed specifically for that purpose. Um, it, it, what's your familiarity with that? I, Joey, you only had a day or two. You only had 48 hours. But. So, so I, I can't speak for Matthew or, or Rafti, but my experience with it has, is, is very minimal. I'm not, I'm not a, a pen tester. I don't, I'm not trying to crack systems, but, but it's very robust. Um, it's got some great GUI interfaces, but really the power behind Kali, in my experience, when I realized this is not in my wheelhouse, is all at the command line level is really where where Linux is has its power. Matt, would you agree with that? Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah, and um, if you're familiar with a Windows or even a Mac environment, you might see a command prompt every now and then for to, for, for certain commands. Linux loves the command line, and and true Linux gurus do everything with the command line. And uh, yeah, every, every tool has a command line uh, option for, for being able to run it or, or adjust it or something like that. And Kali is no different. Um, and I was gonna throw out there, if you're, uh, for, for anyone who's, whoever wants to see Kali in action, uh, go watch the TV show, Mr. Robot. <laughs> they use Kali Linux. <laughs> and Ben's rolling his eyes because he hates Mr. Robot. Look at Ben. But, there but been a do. media review of Mr. I, Robot I, as well? I hate, no, I only do media review of, of stuff that's actually decent. Um, <laughs> but they do use <laughs> stuff I don't Kali like. Linux and uh, Mr. Robot. Okay, all right. So, and I think that's indicative. That is realistic. And I'll, I'll say another thing about the command line. Any TV show or movie where they show someone hacking something, if they're not typing... If they're not using the command line, then they're not a real hacker. GUIs right, right. are not for real hackers. You know, there's just, you lose <laughs> something if you go to plug and play. That, to me, equates to script kitty, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right, right. All right. Now, Rafti, you've you you have, you've been fairly quiet uh, so far. Uh, t t what's your experience with the Linux? Uh, I switched. I switched to Linux for, like, full-time work, I think. I think half a year ago, maybe a year ago. How was um, the transition for you? Yeah, this is a this is an interesting story. But um, I'd say maybe to to get into the command line thing, I think that um, Linux sort of like requires you or is still built mostly. And I, we touched upon this in the beginning, sort of very briefly. I think when we talked about big computers, 
and that it's based on a software that was built for big computers way before my time. But of course, the biggest we have been now sort of like going around Linux, talking about the desktop environment of it. But of course, Linux is very big uh, in many different places when it comes to sort of like mobile OSs, like Android has is built on the Linux kernel. So most like uh, outside that. of the US, like most people are using Linux. Um, and of course, in the server space, Linux is it's very big as well. Um, and in the server space, of course, you see the command line quite often also. So, but, okay, but regard, now I want to hear your story about your transition. How, my how, transition? how was it? How okay. was it? So I've maybe, maybe let's start somewhere very different. I switched to Mac for, for my job at think. So I've been a Windows user as a kid. Uh, I grew up with Windows. We had a Windows computer all my life. And uh, of course, I'm gaming. I like gaming and gaming on Mac is not a thing. Or it, it's, I, I, heard, I heard that in the 90s, gaming on Mac actually was a thing. World of Warcraft, I think, was released on Mac before on Windows. Again? You, you, you can get Doom on it. That's all you need. Oh, yeah, sure, it. sure. I heard you. Yeah, whatever. You can now run Doom on the John Deere. I think of gaming on, on Apple. I think of the 80s and Aztec. And Conan and Bruce Lee. I mean, I think of the old Odyssey, the App Venture. Okay, I mean, I, I'm you know that's old, old school. Zork, exactly. one, two, and three. But I haven't yeah. been alive when, uh, in the eighties. I haven't been alive yet. So right, I, right. I grew up on Windows. I grew up on Windows, and all my stuff has been on Windows. And I switched to Mac. And when I switched to Mac, um, on Mac you typically don't have to use the command line, but uh, like CMD. And like in proper terminal with bash, this is a whole different thing. And you can actually like get things done with a proper terminal interface uh, that in, in CMD just is not possible. Like I hate the terminal on Windows, like the command line thing on Windows, because it's like slow. You you have to know everything. And it's it's like it's much more intuitive on, on Mac and on Linux. They're like in that regard, fairly similar. Um, okay. And uh, let, me so, ask you, Chris, let me ask you this on the command line in Mac and Linux. Can you actually move the cursor back up to a previous line and, and sure. use the previous? Okay. Of course. I, I, the, yes, you're right. The command line in Windows is absolute crap. It's, it, you, can, you might as well use a typewriter. Yeah, you can, you can, of course, show the last things. Like you can have a list, of course. You can search in the last settings, of course, if you want and stuff. And you, you bring up the command that you actually, you don't have to remember anything. And the most important thing, I think, for if you start typing something, I always hit tab um, every time because it's like autocompletes, especially when you're moving inside the file structure. And it's like on Windows, I hit it and nothing happens. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Wait, I need to open the Explorer to figure out what the name of the of the things are. I don't and know then you have to type it all out. Yeah. Rofty has Rofty has just exposed yet another instance where it's like, come on, Microsoft, get with the picture, you know, <laughs> just like the old Ford cars, get off the, the, the dash of being the green, the green backlit dash for Ford. We 30 years ago. Good. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But so I, Rofty, so you were all set for Mac and you were happy with Mac, but then I you said, I gotta Mac. be Linux. Cause I'm going to be a real nerd now. No, 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 no. I actually switched to, I, I, uh, you were saying like installing Linux on another device. I tried installing Linux on a MacBook. Not going to happen. 
No, very, very... I would imagine it's highly resistant. Yeah, yeah, um, highly resistant. But you know what Macs um, sort of like are built into giving into? It's like Windows. So I switched to Windows afterwards because I wanted to use our software, the Portmaster, and this was sort of like I wanted to use it every day at work, not just at home. Because I still have, and I'm, I'm talking right now on a Windows machine. So my private machine, because I'm gaming, not Linux either. Um, so <laughs> All right. it's still so for work. So you switched. But I wanted Windows. to tell you this: this starting with Windows and switching to uh, with with Mac and switching to Windows, because one of the frustrating things I had with Windows was I was less productive on Windows than I was on Mac. What I what I lacked was web dev integration, um, Kyle dev integration, um, and and card dev integration. My contact books were not synchronizing with what I had before. So actually switching from Mac to Linux, I think is easier than switching from uh, Windows to Linux because all the WebEx things that, that Microsoft likes and loves, not a thing on, on, on Mac. Um, and all the Mac things, not a thing on Windows, but of course Linux can do both. So I, I was able to import my calendars again and import my contacts again when I made the switch to Linux. So um, this is this is the thing where I'm like, well, um, I I don't like web um, mail or anything. I like my mail to be on my device. So um, this was this was very very yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think so it's important to so add you... here also that that Mac is based on BSD, which is a Unix clone, also similar to how Linux is. Which is why Mac going, going from Mac to Linux, I think, is uh, is understandable versus Windows to Linux. Yeah. And, and OpenBSD, it, that's another uh, uh, shareware. It's a, it's another non-proprietary build, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so let me see if I follow the narrative correctly. You were raised on Windows. You went to Mac for work. You went back to Windows because there were certain pieces that you wanted. And then you went from Windows to Linux. Exactly. How was the transition from Windows to Linux for you? How long did it take you to acclimate to that? I think I switched to, I was a uh, half a year on Windows and then um, switching to Linux. It was the first time for me using Linux again after, like Joey said earlier, using it for just brief Experiment. moments. You, like it's days. like experimenting with drugs and alcohol when you're a teenager, you know? <laughs> if, you're not really if you committed don't get to being a drinker, but you, you played with it <laughs> on a weekend. Okay. All right. No, but I already, I prepared for it, sort of. I knew that I, uh, what applications I would not have. And I sort of looked for open source alternatives. And I know that I, for work, require less different, like I'm not truly at that stage yet, but I'm thinking of maybe becoming an iPad um, CEO at one point where I can do all my work on an iPad, not there yet. But for my requirements, of course, you understand that I mainly need um, like document editing software and stuff. So this is a solution that has been sort of solved on Linux as well, even though I, I would consider myself a power user for the Office, Microsoft Office Suite, which is not available on Linux, which I truly hate because sometimes I, I know the commands out of my uh, from the back of my mind in, in Excel, in Word. There are no true alternatives there. Like um, LibreOffice is the most powerful, but it's like it's it's looking bad, and you have to hunt and search for everything because everything is in different places. And only Office looks the closest to Windows, but it does not. It's not the proper thing, you know. 
when I want to use formats and stuff for, for it, words. It's, it's almost like the uncanny valley of Both Office of productivity software. It looks almost like the thing you want, and that's more disconcerting than if it looked completely different. Something completely yeah. different, at least, you know, you, you know you're dealing with a different animal. But when it looks vaguely like what you like and you hit Control-B and it doesn't boldface, yeah, that's annoying. So, so you did some homework before some homework. you made the leap. You found everything you were going to need, and you slowly transitioned over. How long did it take you from the time you left Windows and went to Linux before you actually felt comfortable using it on a day-to-day -day basis? I, I came slowly. I never looked back. I never turned back, but I think it's, I'm very comfortable now. And I think I started thinking about switching other people at Safing over two months later. So okay. after two okay. months, I was so confident and so comfortable and so confident that when switching from Mac to Linux, that this is the right call, that I started investigating getting Linux back on Mac machine, like MacBooks again, because I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if we want to throw out all those fairly new MacBooks just to get like Linux uh, machines, you know, because I think one of the things that the, why people are on Windows or are on Mac OS is because they're buying windows laptops mac os laptops and and this isn't within the linux community fairly like something that they know and where they're like well if you run mac os on a windows machine everybody knows that this will come with issues and so like for this it's the same thing where they're like you're running a different operating system that has not like where the device was not designed to run this operating system and so um of, we have been thinking of maybe switching it but Macs are really nice hardware. And for me, switching to a Linux first device, it's like, it's hard. Like the webcams suck, right. the speakers so, suck. So you'd, <laughs> say, you'd, say about, you'd say about eight weeks, you fell eight back. Weeks. Oh yeah, eight. sorry. The, the, the answer to your question, yes. About <laughs> yeah. eight weeks, okay. I'd say. Okay, all right. <laughs> to all be right. very that's, comfortable, you know? That's not, not a terrible learning curve. That's not a terrible yeah. learning curve. Uh, I, I've, I've spent about 18 years trying to get away from the keyboard of my old, old um, uh, IBM Lenovo uh, laptop because I'm so comfortable with the keyboard, I can type faster than I can think. I've not yet been able to get away. I'm using an almost 20-year-old machine to type a lot of my stuff simply because the moment I walk away from that keyboard, I can't type anymore. All right. <laughs> All right. Maybe we should, so Linux, maybe we should hack Linux. something for you so that you can use this keyboard, this exact keyboard on a different device, you know, just as an external keyboard, or do you need to take it with you? But then you got two pieces and you know, right, right. So anyway, okay. anyway, my, my Luddite tendencies aside, Matt and Joey, when you do consulting in the, in the big, big open space world, uh, and you're doing stuff for your clients. Do you use Linux tools ever to do implementations or to build something? Uh, yeah, I can say I, I have, yes. Um, it's, it's very unusual though. And the reason for that is in business, you want stuff that is supported and they, they often shy away from stuff that is expensive and hard to maintain. You just want something that works. And so and from that respect, uh, Windows is almost always the solution for, for anything business related. But the, I have had clients over the years, again, I've been in business for, for over two decades at this point. So I've seen lots of different stuff. Uh, and I've run across Linux machines and I've, I've uh, actually, you know, put in a small Linux box for a single 
purpose in the past just because it was something that it, it was a tool that fit the need at the time. Uh, and, and you don't need a license for it. And, and that's right. you can, it's yeah. free. <laughs> that's exactly. Big. And, and so I would say Windows is sort of like the training wheels version of computing. But a lot of businesses want training wheels because they keep you safe. Yeah. And, yeah, and, exactly. and you're not out. You're not out there to look cool. You're not out there to do a bunch of tricks. You're there to just make the bicycle run. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say I would say, all, uh, you know, my the, the vast majority of my career was corporate for, you know, 23 years. And if we didn't have uh, a need for a Linux server to run an application, which, you know, in, in my time with with big corporate, we didn't. And there were divisions that that's what they handled. So so in my world, in my in my area of space, no, I, I, I never dealt with it, nor did I have a need. And, and so coming on as a as a as a consultant two years ago. Um, you know, that's where I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to start to, to, to look at these virtual machines from a Linux perspective. But, you know, Matt's, Matt is really who I would go to, who I do go to if I have a question in that space. So let's talk about some irony here. We, we've been talking about free. We've been talking about open source. We've been talking about support. Because anyone can do anything with that source code, there's been at least one entity that I know of who's made their own flavor of Linux and made that proprietary and offered to support it. Um, and therefore, they've become a vastly successful financially uh, uh, business commercial venture. Uh, yep. And I'm thinking, I'm talking about Red Hat, Red Hat yep. Linux, of course. Yep. Uh, that's the penguin. That is the big build in the Linux world. Um, and, uh, you know, again, the kernel is open source, but Red Hat was sold to IBM about six years ago for $12 billion. True. And, that, and then IBM sold it to somebody else, I think, for for more than that just a couple of years ago. Um, and, and it's pretty fascinating. I think who's, yeah. who's using all these Linux boxes that, <laughs> that need this support. If, if you're not being rhetorical, I can actually answer that. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you go to any website in the world, there's a 95 to 98% chance that the back end of that website is Linux. All the big cloud stuff is all Linux, all your Amazon, all your Google, all of your, uh, you know, IBM stuff, of course. Uh, all your banking stuff, it's all Linux backend. And, 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 web and servers? Work. Yep, web servers, yes. I did not know that. I, see, yes. I'm so old, I think Apache is the, the, the web well, server. Yeah, Apache is a, is, an, is a web server application that was originally developed and run on Linux. On the Linux OS. Okay, 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 okay. I see. Yeah. I, so, so it's the foundation of those things. That's yes. interesting, and and it scales pretty well because the license the the OS is free, yep. and then you get the support license. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That so, makes a so, lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of your cloud based stuff is is run on is, it's not run on Windows servers or anything like that because if you can imagine, say Amazon, let's let's just throw a number out and say Amazon's got a hundred thousand servers, you're not going to go to Microsoft and and pay eight hundred ninety nine dollars per license for each of those 100,000 servers. No, you're going to you know, hire a team of, of Linux engineers and get them all up, up and running on, on some sort of OS. And of course, like Amazon and Google, they have their own, uh, uh, they don't talk about this, but they, they, they spin off their own versions custom to their, um, 
applications and to their company of Linux as well. But yeah, it's all it all comes back down to Linux. All right. So now, so now here's my my big security question. Um, I love the idea of open source. You know, that something in in my wild independent libertarian streak loves this notion of being able to do whatever I want with my hardware and make it go. Downside is my security paranoid twitchy self is terrified of version control. And where are you getting the build that you're installing in the first place? Where do you get this this perfect uh, sanctified version of it where I know it's squeaky clean, it doesn't have backdoors, and it doesn't have malware plugged into it? Uh, where, do you, where do you go and find that? And then once you start messing with it, how do you keep track of going from evolution to evolution and making sure you're not screwing yourself? I, I know the answer to that. Rafti, do you do you have anything with to add on to any of that? Would suggest okay. building Linux from scratch, Ben. No? Yes. Yeah. That's your answer. <laughs> but when Compiling you say building it from scratch, do you mean typing line by line? And even then, if I get a printout of the code, how do I know what I'm typing isn't gibberish? <laughs> and and the answer, Ben, is um, there are known repositories of Linux code. Um, if you've ever used a Linux box or, or anything remotely like one, um, you know that the way that you do updates in Linux is generally through something called Git, G-I-T, um, or um, uh, you know some some flavor or some variation. But there are known repositories on the internet of of of, of the, the the signed and qualified code for updating Linux. Signed by whom? And I, and again, I'm I'm really I'm trying to just you know wrap my <laughs> wrap my head around. Wrap my head around the trust factor here. Is is I'm, Linus is Linus still in the business? Oh yeah, I'm putting I think his digital he still signature. Is. Is, he is he very infamously still is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He he he's keeping people out of the Linux kernel, as far as I can tell. This is are all the stories I'm hearing. Who who got booted from the <laughs> kernel team last and stuff? So yeah, Linus's personality is one thing. No, there, there, there's a there's a Linux organization that that keeps track of all this code and and yeah. and signs it and certifies it that it's it's good. So like your Ubuntu guys. So like Ubuntu is a flavor of Linux. There's a they have a a, a board of some sort of you know uh, hackers coders whatever you want to call them who who verify and keep track of all this code, keep it in their repositories. And then every Ubuntu box that when it goes to get its updates, uh, defaults to one of a small handful of servers, but those are all owned and controlled by the Ubuntu consortium or whatever you would want to call it. I got it. So you've got like a collective cooperative crowdsourcing thing going on with right. some trusted individuals that have some notoriety and we trust them to keep it safe because it's in their best interest to do so. Yes. Yeah, I, I would almost I would almost relate this to WordPress. So if if you're familiar with website building or development, WordPress is a content management system. Just like this, you've got an organization, even though it's open source, it and 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 you can you can build and and modify however you want with it. But the consortium itself, whenever a website goes on that is a WordPress site, goes back to the to the mothership, so to speak. There's an update, grabs the update, it is certified and and. Uh, um, ready to go. So, so, and like Matthew's saying, Linux works the same way. Now, WordPress very famously like riddled with, with backdoors and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like not no, the core, but like a long see. time ago. That's WordPress is horrible. No, All right. I love WordPress. <laughs> you just broke Joey's heart. All right. So, in, terms of, in terms of analogies, Mozilla. Now I think of, I think of Firefox as open source, at, at least open code. Um, but, 
there's a Mozilla Foundation, right? Which is a, you know, they call it a nonprofit, but it's a company. You know, they actually mm-hmm. have a yeah. CEO and that, and they do that. Okay, how do all of these entities make money? How do how does how does Linus afford his big beautiful Scandinavian home? And you know, <laughs> how how is that? That's happens? a great question. That's a great question. Book signing fees, speaking fees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but Personally. seriously, is is there no revenue stream? I mean, it, it, they're putting effort into reviewing the code and making sure that it is secure. Yeah. How are they generating any revenue? How are they supporting this? Well, I think, like you said earlier, uh, a lot of these are nonprofits. So, which doesn't mean you don't make profit. It just means you're not you, you don't exist for profit. Um, and and they, they get a lot of donations. If you've been on Wikipedia anytime recently or anytime in the last five years or so, you know, once a year they'll do a push where they'll, you know, you, you'll go to the webpage and it'll pop up and say, hey, you know, yeah, if you yeah, gave Okay, okay. Bucks, but, but Jimmy Wales started with his porn money, okay? Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, has, Jimmy has a trust fund sitting behind him, so he doesn't need your $3 a year for his Wikimedia Foundation. <laughs> Where did Linus, you know, is Linus sitting on a trust fund? Is that, is, you know, is he self-financed? Otherwise, I don't even know how Mozilla makes money. I, I honestly well, I, don't. This I can tell you. Mozilla tell gets me. a lot of, tell me, tell they, they get the majority of their money by Google. Mozilla is financed by Google, but we don't need to get into this. I, how, I, if how? you're really interested. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. How? Through what? Um, because uh, Google is the default search engine. And Google needs a competitor. Otherwise, uh, I mean, okay. people are theorizing. Okay, so otherwise, plug, you that you will come in and tell Google, "Well, you're a monopoly." No, you're no, no, no. You're, you're, monopoly. Talking about, you're talking about plugins. You're talking about if I have a brand of OS and somebody pays me to say, "Hey, make my audio thing, my audio widget, make that the default." People can still rip it out and install their own audio thing, but <laughs> by it's a promo. Okay. Yeah. Google is All paying right, right. Apple that. as well. I get like that. Google okay. Is, is very okay. active in paying people to keep staying the default search engine. I, I'm making a point of it saying web search again instead of Googling because, like, me too. <laughs> me too. I do that I, in my class. First off, well. I'm not using Google, I'm using uh, alternatives. I have been looking at Ecosia for some reason for the past couple of weeks. Hate it going away for now but like yeah i'm making a point of saying okay so so uh, and i'm sorry we're going we're veering away from linux slightly but (laughs) joey and i joey and i had a recent conversation about this uh i haven't used uh chrome for forever i was using duck uh duck duck go and firefox for a long time and i've switched switched to brave recently and joey you loving it still i'm loving it no no i've i've gone back to what i'm comfortable with ben which one chrome Okay. I went back to Chrome, okay. but but now to to be fair, I did exactly what I did with Linux. I forced myself. Now I kept Brave for probably, well, I think you and I talked about that back in April, uh-huh. and and I used it all the way through the summer, um, and I ended up just switching back for like like Rafi was talking about with Mac. There was just so many more integrations with Chrome with just everything. And yeah, I went back to it, but I still have it installed on the system. Okay. So not not to hijack your comment. No, 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 that's to- totally fair. And 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 like like we've been talking about, Windows is the training wheels. Chrome is the training wheels. It is plug and play. It's going to integrate with everything because the major developers are the ones who can afford to make all the connections. They have the teams to make all the connections to everything that's out there. Yeah. 
So, so bringing that back to Linux, if I'm an individual home residential user, and this goes back to the joke of if your time is free, I've got this app that I really, I got a game I really want to play on Steam, and it just doesn't plug in and work nice with Linux. I got to spend three hours finding a workaround, searching online, and, and you know, making mm-hmm. it conform. Look yeah. at Rafi's laughing already. Oh, ahead, yeah, Rafi. because you said Steam, and Steam is actively developing their own fork of Linux and trying to pushing it on people, like SteamOS. It's, a, it's an Arch fork. Arch is another Linux distribution. We said Ubuntu already. That's developed by Conical. Arch is a community to derivate of, and with a rolling release, it's a whole different thing. Very different beast to to what Ubuntu is doing, um, but it looks fairly similar. I think both are offering an, an GNOME desktop environment. Um, but so I, I think we're going. So eventually, all Steam titles will plug in and play nice with Linux machines. Is they're working? working on their develop like Wine is is yeah. a um, translation layer. Like Rosetta is on Mac, like with the M1 and M2 Macs now. What they're doing with translating like between x86 stuff and like it, this of course is translation layer for for like hardware but what wine is doing is a software translation layer where they for in, like for instance do direct x direct x code which of course is like windows uh and doing it for vulkan i think is is the main like one for linux they're translating that stuff and proton is a fork of wine uh developed and maintained by steam like by valve um, which is the owning company body of, of Steam. And they are like, you can very easily just enable it in Steam. You have to tick a mark, a check mark, but then almost all games games on Steam run on Linux as well. There's one very major exception. If your like, game comes with spyware owned by Tencent, like uh, easy anti-cheat, um easy anti-cheat very famously does not like um wine and so they usually break but easy anti-cheat we were having talk this is maybe a whole other episode but fairly quickly easy anti-cheat integrates into your kernel and does a kernel level observation of your system and um, tracks what's happening on your system to ensure that you're not doing any funny business um in regards to gaming and cheating and stuff but it's a very very a invasive. Level, a, a root <laughs> level hack yeah. for gaming yeah. enforcement of rules. Okay, yeah. this is another. This is another element I want to touch on because we've been talking about Linux, and you talk about these different communities, these different flavors who've become uh, pretty popular for uh, specific genres of purposes, like we we're talking about Kali Linux for hacking and so forth. Demise for gaming. The thing that blows me away is what we're really talking about is communities. Mm-hmm. And what and what you have here, it reminds me, you know, harkens back to 40 years ago, the homebrew clubs and the, you know, the 2600 clubs. And this is stuff where you're pulling people together who have a common interest over something fairly, I don't wanna say obscure, but detailed, granular. And they build a community around it to where they're popularizing this thing that may or may not get adopted into ubiquity among the the entire population. But you've got an Ubuntu community who's dedicated to that. You've got a Kali community who's dedicated to that, an Arch community who's dedicated to that. You don't hear about that with Windows communities, you know? (laughs) I think Mac has a very, Mac has a cult. 
Mac is a cult, a a downright cult. And and it's like (laughs) listening to it's like listening to Matt with his cars. You know, there are Corvette owners clubs, (laughs) right? If you're a minority among a general population, you are more prone, I think, you know, uh, anthropologically to assemble with like minded people and and build that cohesive unit, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And for the record, I don't drive a Corvette. I would. No, no. I, I, but, <laughs> but in your little car, I don't want to call it a cult. Uh, your car clatch. You, you but you have, agree, Mac. Mac has a cult following in some regards, doesn't it? Yes. Like, yes. And but, but I, Mac, I love Macs. I said this already. The hardware is great. It's so hard switching away from a MacBook, just from a, a fit. Like not really. Function. I'm going to disagree with that. It's pretty easy, in my opinion. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's so not. I still have my. I still have two at, at home. So I'm sitting. I'm looking at one right now, and I don't even have it powered on. <laughs> uh, but I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I think it's neat that they draw people together. That those minority groups of of that common interest will work together to build something communally that yeah. will work for their purpose. Yes, and they're yeah. and they're largely doing this as hobbyists and volunteers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And people are donating for that reason uh, a lot as well. I started recently donating to Manjaro. Um, they seem to have some issues. And I thought we may be going into some recent news issues in the arch uh, sector and Manjaro sector. Um, but we can't, maybe I can bring this up no, later no, no, as well. No, 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 I want to hear this. Um, first of all, Manjaro, another flavor of Linux? Yes, yes. And it's arch based. Okay. So it's a, it's a fork on a fork on, yeah, but. Um, let me finish but, earlier. Okay, like what, I, I'm, I'm donating. I'm donating for. What's the, what's for, the intent of Manjaro? What's the intent? Manjaro. It's just another. It's it's just another flavor. It's making arches very elitistic, uh, like uh, elitaristic. It's like for hardcore. It's it's like you have to. There's no installer, or famously there has not been an installer. Now there's installing script, but it's not holding your hand. But while you install it, you have to format like manually partition and stuff and everything like get your win like your distribution ready and then move the files to the correct things it's almost like installing linux linux from scratch i did do like for while i was an admin it admin for a short period of time did uh once install linux from scratch like having the wikipedia page not wikipedia page, but that documentation open and how to do it because there's a project that helps you installing linux from scratch and arch almost feels like this it's a little bit easier you have an actually you can boot from a device and okay. stuff and you have and everything Manjaro, there and manjaro's makes a this easier arc. yeah yeah it, it's based on arch but they have like a two-week delay i think uh they're not pushing everything as fast as manjaro does uh, as as Arch does um, and stuff, and they're looking and checking, and they're having base. They're basically the refined version of Arch, but okay. I think some people would uh, crucify me for okay. saying stuff like this. So now tell so, us this current event stuff. Okay, this current event stuff. First, let me say, if you have a community, of course, people are more willing to give as well. So I've been uh, Manjaro has an open collective. This I'm familiar with it because I'm donating to it fairly re- uh, frequently. I I we could have a look, but I think they have a couple of like thousand euros. Um, uh, they or maybe a couple hundred they make each month, and a couple thousand already in their open collective, um, like pool, and they can of course take stuff out of it as well. Um, yeah, 
uh, your, I, I just had it open earlier, whatever. So, um, what's, what's the, the news? Um, if you, um, look at uh, Google for or web search for <laughs> Arch and Grub and Grub is sort of like the, the install screen and front before you get into the US, uh, into the OS, um, uh, with the, the latest Arch release, um, because it's rolling, it's like you just update it and it does major changes. Sometimes it updates the kernel, it updates. Um, Could that Grub. fuck up a lot of your application installs, though? It fucked up its um, own booting process. Oh! <laughs> it fucked like this just happened, and you have to go in and tell reinstall after updating it, reinstalling the whole Grub as well uh, again telling it where your boot partition is and, and stuff like this. You were saying earlier about like about if version time, control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Version control and stuff like that. And, and usually they announce stuff like this and, uh, and are just like, this is in the news right now. So uh, it's, um, it has, See, I think it happened on out. August 26th, uh, the update. And so if you're listening to this and you're running an arch server somewhere, don't update, <laughs> like just don't. <laughs> um, but as far as I understand, and I read into this earlier as well, they have up, they, they have pushed an update, but now the installer just tells you what you need to do afterwards. So it's not an actual fix because it's not happening in all machines. They're not sure why it is happening and stuff. Why not so just pull back that that evolution of the update? Oh, see, yeah, I'm in software development now as well. Um, I, I think it's a mixture, at least with us, I can tell you, sometimes it's a mixture of pride and, um, just digging in and trying to fix it and fix it. And no, we're going to fix it. We're not going to roll back. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, somebody and, needs a project manager to stand in there and slap those. Guys. <laughs> it's a community project. It's a community you need project. An adult Nobody's getting room. paid again. You need an adult in the room. You need somebody to, to yank that thing back. Take take the car keys away from the drunk teenager did, and say, okay. Did they use the agile process? That's what I'd want to know. Ding, 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 we ding, are. Ding. Right, oh, you on. are. We are, and I'm pulling stuff back. We had we just, in our latest update, I, uh, Joe, you said last time you had some issues. Um, I think we fixed it with a rollback. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's not always the perfect beta like tester. If, if there's a problem with a piece of software, Joey will find I, it. I have opened up Kali Linux and Mint Linux while we've been on this. So I want to now put your software on one of these machines, uh, Rafti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we can talk about it. But Lint, Mint, if you're losing, using Cinnamon, um, I think the Cinnamon browser, like the Cinnamon desktop environment, has some. Has some we're not supporting it officially. Let me tell it, say it like this. Um, and this, of course, is a, it's a problem with, with uh, Linux as well. We are talking now about Mint, Arch, Manjaro, Ubuntu, Kali Linux. Uh, we're okay, talking right, about right. Gnome and Cinnamon. Yeah. All, all right, right. Hold up. Hold up a second now. Yeah. My question is always, can I turn off auto updates for exactly this reason? I don't yes. want to be the first in my community to patch a system ever i want somebody else to take that bullet for me go walk out in front of the train and see how it feels you know and then maybe two months later then i'll patch it if it's not a critical issue i'll patch it later on after everybody else has already decided whether or not it's going to brick their machine right yeah 
Um, yeah. Is is that possible in these Linux builds? Why did it Why did it get pushed so fast? And why didn't it, Why didn't the first dozen people scream bloody murder and everybody else stop? Because their computers were bricked and they couldn't. <laughs> nobody had nobody had the the lack of pride to boot up the old windows machine go on to usenet and and say something about it is that what it was <laughs> yeah, right no i think the reason why i know of it is because it's like it has been it has been screamed loudly and widely for quite some time in this of course in this community which i'm sort of like because i'm using manjaro i'm at the edge of this as i said art manjaro is based on arch but they have this delay so they don't typically like they avert this problems but yes of course you like if you want to have stable stuff ubuntu has lts versions long-term um service support LTS. support thank you yeah service uh support stuff and of course you would just be an lts customer you would only get like small updates and important security updates and major updates like this, you would only get, I think every two years is another LTS year or every four stuff like that. So, um, okay. uh, yeah, you would update right. way less frequent. So, so I think we've just found the flip side of the cool community collective L aspect of independent software development. And I think we could do an entire episode about this, but here's the concern that I'd just like to touch on personalities and their influence in these communities and how it can really screw things up because by and large while i love people with personalities business people with personalities are bad i mean that's just it's it, it <laughs> leads you know jobs created the cult-like behavior you know that's not necessarily a good thing uh we we mentioned briefly uh jimmy wales and his particular influence on the wiki community community and what what problems that can cause linus somebody i think matt you touched on this um linus has his own personality issues that may or may not reflect poorly on the linux community do you want to you want to expound on that a little I, bit uh i don't know if i brought it up Rocky, did you bring it up I, I think I brought it up, but I okay. think, you know, uh, you, you at least mentioned that you have some knowledge about this as well. But yes, um, there are a couple of like famous contributors who have been kicked out of the working on the Linux court, like uh, kernel team and stuff because he couldn't get along with them and stuff. Uh, I don't know him personally. I could get on a blacklist for this, but if, if he's <laughs> listening... <laughs> <laughs> please, please, uh, don't, he don't, I, I'd like to about... meet, I, I like meeting Pete Boswell. And as you were saying, I like, uh, uh, talking, having personalities around me as well, but I agree, especially if you're like running uh, your operating system on it, this is of course something you want to have some distance between you and that them. Yeah. And, uh, as far as I can tell, this is exactly the reason why on the service space, Redhead, uh, as a company is between on the, or like canonical i think is it for ubuntu there are companies like building on um on linux as well and of course then they're not on latest kernel versions because like there are more people involved and it's more of a community and they're sort of like a little a, a couple of steps behind and they're looking at it and they're contributing back to the kernel sometimes as well and so on so and so that including more people and having a flatter hierarchy instead of having this apex personality at the top can kind of dilute some of the monkey business yes and and and, and, and it's funny because even you were joking about being on a blacklist it, that's a very real fear is if it is personality driven you can 
you can get into some kind of ugly behavior that just isn't smart for anybody or isn't good for anybody. And again, I don't want to, I've never met Linus and I don't know anything about him, but um, you know, I, he could be a great person, but if he's that dedicated to his own project, that sometimes doesn't really work well for everybody. And I'm reminded of the legendary tales of, um, uh, was it Wizards of the Coast or was it Magic, the, the the original gaming company and how they decided to do something no other company was going to do, where everybody was friends and they all slept together and they all had parties. And, and at some point they realized, yes, you're all one big family at this company, but you're a highly dysfunctional family and that's not good for business. It's not good for your customers. It's not good for your colleagues. Um, American and, Apparel. Yeah, Oh, another famous example, another very, very famous example. Yes. Um, so uh, we like Linux overall, in theory. In practice, we may want to rely on something a little more tried and true. Well, I think that one of the key takeaways is Linux is an operating system uh, like a tool in your toolbox. Uh, it's, it's it, it, you know, a, a screwdriver is great for, you know, driving screws, but it's terrible as a hammer. Uh, Linux has some things it does very well. And, and in those cases, um, yeah, it, uh, absolutely. It's a tool and, and use it. Um, I think that one of the biggest fallacies is people who think that it's a direct replacement for a Mac OS or for a Windows OS as a general computing device. And in that case, um, it, it may meet your expectations, but it may also fall short of your expectations. And so you got to be kind of realistic about that stuff. Maybe, I don't know if we still have time for this, but just to, to get that out, you were talking earlier about like verifying your what you're installing is actually legit and stuff. I think in some regards, um, Linux is doing a good job there as well. Um, they, are, they have signatures and so on, and usually the package manager is validating stuff like that. Matt has already like said, like the, uh, talked about those repositories and stuff. Um, usually if you add a repository, um, there's like a, a GPG license involved as well. And, and my first experience with the concept of the web of trust was like validating those signatures and stuff and so on. So people are much in the Linux community are much more aware of this and they have places where they look at the like um, verification um, segments to verify if the key you Passes. have is actually signed by the correct person and then they verify against the, the download and uh, checksums MD5, SHA-256 stuff. Uh, like Linux people use this. They usually see this and package managers verify each download before they install it if it's uh, actually like downloaded correctly. And you typically on Windows when you just search around uh, the web download an exe file which just stands for executable um it can do whatever you don't look inside you typically don't verify the the, the checksum or many people don't this it, is a much depends. higher security it, it, risk. it depends if you're using a portal you're using a tool to do that windows patches for the os itself yeah. do have to be signed by microsoft and, that is true and that the is OS, true. and the, and the os will check that for you automatically but again training, training wheels yeah, but with the package managers, as, as I said, like all applications you install typically tell you what checksums they check, what signatures they check, and you know before you download it what is checked and where it's coming from because it's like integrated into those repositories. They are verified 
if we're adding one, you're getting the keys, you're verifying the keys and stuff. So uh, Linux has a fairly like well-designed system in that regard. They sort of lack a continuity. Um, they have different uh, package managers. Each distro have one. apt-get, for instance, is the one you use on, on Ubuntu. Pacman is the one you use on um, on, on Arch-based distributions. And I can't recall what the Fedora Red Hat one is. But, okay, um, all right. But then I still come back, back to who has access to the repository to upload a new build. Who gets to decide who gets access to upload a new build and how do we know who those people are? And if they're individuals, what if one of them gets hit by a bus? And then what happens to that whole fork of that, you know, build? All true. All true. But that's yeah. the same yeah. thing when you're like downloading like an exe file for installing your Chrome browser, for instance. Yeah, And then yeah. you're like, well, but your Chrome browser installation, you don't verify the checksum, you don't verify the signature. If it's a valid signature, that's good. If it's uh, if it runs, that's good. And so that's it. And if somebody, a malicious actor, was like attacking you directly, Ben, and, and like fooling you into downloading a wrong EXE file, you're screwed. And, at yeah. that oh, yeah. and of course, if you use a package Absolutely. manager personal security that's that's a little bit better and of course yeah. mac has in that regard a very good application security because i don't know was one year ago or something when their server went down no applications were able to start because every application start verifies against an apple server if that uh application has a valid certificate with them okay okay but again now. we're talking about the training we're talking about the training wheels again and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and are you are you allowed to shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> All right, um, Linux, Linux, fun, useful, nerdy, autistic, um, <laughs> but, but a good screwdriver when you need a screwdriver. Is is yep. that is that kind of our our opinion overall? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if you yeah. if you have a need, it will fill that need as long as you've got a little bit of time to make it work right. Except for Joey. <laughs> he, he says 48 hours is his max. Yeah, I, I, I've already turned off my VM. <laughs> what distribution have you been trying? Just, just out of curiosity. Well, I, I was on Mint, the Cinnamon, uh, the Cinnamon platform. Then Mint is what I just updated. And then while we were talking, I looked at that, uh, the one that you were talking about, the um, not, I want to say Majaro. Mo, Manjaro. And I looked, it's pretty cool. There, there are three different flavors of the Manjaro there. One looks like a Mac, one looks like a Windows, and the other one, I, I, it's kind of a, maybe a hybrid. But um, so the Mint, the Mint one is the one I always kind of play with. But uh, Kali Linux, way, way out there. It's, it's very difficult to use unless you love command lines. Very difficult to use. I'd say if you're already familiar with Mac a little bit, uh, my recommendation would be Fedora. I think it's the new go-to. And Fedora, like, it's the open source and like free version of uh, Red Hat. And so um, try, everybody who's interested, try Fedora. Um, yep. It's really okay. good and, and very stable. I'll, I'll throw out there that if you are running a Windows box, uh, like Windows 10 or Windows 11, in the Windows store, you can download a version of Linux for Windows that Microsoft officially publishes and produces that will yeah. let you run Linux commands and do Linux things on your Windows box. 
So you can you can you can dip your toe into the Linux world, uh, particularly the command line world, from your Windows box without having to to blow away your your Windows OS and install a whole new one. Um, and they do make a Kali Linux version for Windows as well. That is again available from the Microsoft Store that you can download and do stuff with. Is that like a dual boot machine, or is that? Uh... It's uh, it it lives uh, within uh, with within Windows itself. It's um, huh. uh, so it's like its own little sandbox. Essentially, is what it it becomes. It's a little Linux uh, sandbox. You got your Bash shell. You got your uh, whatever the other shells are. You know all all, all the Linux stuff. So it's not a full featured Linux like if if it were a full OS, but it does let you do a whole lot of Linux stuff on a Windows box. Awesome. That's good to know. All right. Well, I, I want to wrap up with uh, a mention of our own community. Um, we are we, we are a, we, we're a community of guest hosts that outnumber our audience, um, and and we do take donations as well. You can give to us the nonprofit foundation. Uh, we're not a five hundred one three c. We're we're just uh, a few monkeys tapping on keyboards and. Um, uh, you can buy us a gallon of gas through our Buy Me a Coffee button on Securitized.com. Uh, please do, because gas, gas is still expensive. All right, um, then I think that's it for this week. Until next time, I am Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. Rafael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sinatuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hello, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, or other InfoSec certifications? Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com spelled w-a-n-n-a-b-e-a-c-i-s-s-p dot com engage with us on discord do a search for wannabeacissp feedback or questions on what we discuss send a good old fashioned email to ben at ben at benmaliso.com you may hear your feedback on a future show we are all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies or employers.